Hi, hello, this is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Our podcast today, oh, a favorite of mine, Pad Sanders. Pad Sanders I have known and loved. You know, when I started woodworking, I sanded everything. I sanded everything to the 99th degree of sanding perfection. I was a sanding perfectionist, and I had... Oh, back then I had a Rockwell pad sander, sort of an inline sander, so I just sort of jiggled back and forth, used a half sheet of paper. It didn't remove a lot of material in a hurry if you were in a hurry. It was, you know, more for flat surfaces and just kind of smoothing those out. And then I had a quarter sheet sander, a, another Rockwell, and uh, and that was a uh, really good uh, way to uh, numb my forearms after an hour or two of working with that. Uh, the vibration in those things were just awful. And I used them for years. I'd, I'd start out with 80 grit, and then I'd move to 120 grit, and then I'd move to 220 and sand and sand and sand and sand and sand. And then at the end, when I put finish on, I could get to see those great sanding scratches. It was really quite rewarding. As I say, I used to sand everything. I used to sand the insides of my drawers. The backs of my drawer sides were sanded smooth. They were perfect. Everything perfect. My friend Cameron one time said to me, yeah, everything that comes out of your, your bench is perfect. And he said that disdainfully. Like, are you crazy? Do you not have a life? Well, back then, I don't think I did. Back then, I was a sanding perfectionist. I was lost in that world of sanding. Everything had to be smooth, smooth, smooth. And that's good up to a point. But there are a couple of things that uh, I learned over, over time and with practice, and uh, I'm here to tell you about them. The first thing about sanding is that whether you're using a random orbit sander, uh, a fancy one now with a great dust collection system or not, there is a limit to how much you want to sand. People stand to 220 and they go, boy, you know, if I sanded it to 320, it'd feel even better. And if I sanded it to 400, it would feel really sweet. And if I sanded it to 600, oh my goodness, it would be so smooth. And you're right, it absolutely is super smooth. But it doesn't improve the quality of your finish. It doesn't look any shinier. The finish sits on top of that wood, not in it. And so all that effort, is for naught. You're not really picking anything up by all that extra work. One time I was working on a cherry breakfast table, and uh, everything was made of cherry on the, on the piece, including the wedges, which looked black. I ebonized the wedges, or I wanted to ebonize the wedges. I got my ebonizing solution, which is a mixture of vinegar and rusty metal. Rusted steel wool works. And you let that sit for a couple days, and it makes this mix that turns oaks rich with tannins, like cherry, uh, like oak. They, they go black. And you've seen this happen when you glue up. You glue up a piece of wood on pipe clamps that are steel pipe clamps, and the moisture in the glue sits on the pipe clamps, and that reacts with the wood and the tannins in the wood, and you've got a black spot on your board. It comes right out, but... That's what it's about. So I was going to ebonize my wedges using this ebonizing solution, and I painted it on, and nothing happened. I said, what? What's going on? I had 
taken the wedge, I had smoothed it with a hand plane, I had sanded it with 220, it felt great, would not ebonize. So I thought, well, maybe my solution is better. I went to my scrap box near the bandsaw and grabbed a piece of cherry, rough saw, just straight from the bandsaw, and I dipped it into the ebonizing solution that turned jet black. Oh, <laughs> I just learned something. That sealing off the pores by sanding too much, a great hand plane cut and then sanding that, there was no, no room for, for that solution to react with the tannins in the wood. So you need a little tooth in the wood for certain stains, like these chemical stains that I choose to use. That being said, know that anyone who's shooting lacquer doesn't sand much past 150, maybe 180. I know some shops only sand to 120 and then shoot it with lacquer because you need some roughness to the wood for the stuff to stick to it. So there's a limit, as I say, to how far you can sand and do yourself any favor. And know this too. When you're sanding, if you sand a 400 grit on your piece of wood, it's going to feel great. And then let's say you put on four or five coats of a varnish, a wiping varnish, like the Profin, the one I like to use, a Profin gloss. And it builds up coat after coat. After that first coat, you can see it build up and it starts to get nice and shiny. If you sand that last coat with 400 grit, you might as well be rubbing it across the sidewalk. It's there's such a difference between sanding wood and sanding the finish. 400 grit is a very coarse, very coarse grit to start with when you're sanding out a finish. I start at 1,000 grit, 1,200 grit, um, depending on what I need, depending on whether I'm smoothing the surface or trying to bring up shine. Sometimes I sand at 2,000 grit. Um, I'll tell you another interesting little bit. A great bit of sandpaper uh, is a brown paper bag. It's probably 10,000 grit, but it does a nice job. Not too aggressive, but it does a nice job. So you need to be aware of sanding grits and how they can influence wood or your finish. The pad sanders I have now, I've got two or three random orbit sanders, and they do a great job. Uh, I've tried starting them stock still and turning them on to eliminate the sanding scratches. I've turned them on and dove into the wood. And I get inconsistent results. My heart's no longer into sanding. That's just the truth of the matter. I try and eliminate as much sanding as possible. And the reason is simply that it introduces perfectionism to my work. And that's, that's just the worst thing for me. Um, trying to make things perfect at the bench will drive you crazy. And waste your time, because then you turn and your chisel handle leaves a nick in the in the edge, or you're loading it into your your vehicle uh, to deliver the piece, and you make a little scratch in it. Things happen. Live with your furniture. That's the thing. Live with your furniture. See how you treat it. Once I started to do that, I realized, oh, geez, I beat the heck out of my stuff. So I don't do veneer work because. I, can't live with veneers. I, I want solid wood, and I'm, I'm hard on my pieces. I want to live with this stuff in a way that's comfortable. I don't want to walk around with white gloves on like I do at the bench. And that's just, that's insanity making. 
So I have switched over the years to a time-saving device. It is cordless. It is uh, relatively easy to use. You do not have to know how to sharpen it. It is called the hand plane. The hand plane is your friend. It's a time saver. It's a time saver in my shop. I have a number of hand planes. And uh, in the future, I'm, I'll devote a podcast to uh, which ones you need to have at your bench. But I have a number four and a number five at my bench. So a smoothing plane and a jack plane. And they rotate between which one has the sharper blade. So I'll use one a lot, and then I'll be using the other one for just a final cut. And I can take out mill marks. I can take out uh, scratches or level surfaces so much faster with the hand plane, if they're sharp, than I can sandy. And then a little bit of scraping, perhaps, to uh, smooth out any rough edges. Maybe a little light sanding at 220 or 320, and I'm done. So I'm not starting at 80 grit. I start at 320, and I end there. So it's... It has become uh, such a revelation to me to just let go, number one, of that perfectionism, and number two, let the tool marks show if they're going to show. You know, in, in Roadshow, Antiques Roadshow 2050, they're going to look at my work and go, oh, look at the hand plane marks. This is a much more valuable piece. He didn't sand these marks out. So instead of sanding the insides of my cabinets and the insides of my drawers, I simply take a hand plane tool, and if I've chosen my wood correctly, a few knots, uh, not gnarly grain, not crazy curly surfaces, you know, for a drawer side, I don't need anything super, super fancy. If I take care of that in, the, in choosing the material correctly, I tune up my hand plane, I can get a great surface in a couple of passes, and I'm done. That's it. I'm done. It's so great. The inside of a cabinet, same thing. Before I start my joinery, I'll put some pencil marks on the inside face, take one, two, three, four, five passes, and I'm done. No sanding, no noise, no dust, no scratches that I are revealed after I put finish on. The work is done. If I do any light sanding at all to even something out, um, I'll do it with a sanding block and some 220 or, as I say, sometimes 320. And, uh, and that's it. I'm done. The beauty of a hand plane finish is also the fact that as you make the cut, you're burnishing the surface. You leave a much cleaner, brighter surface. Compare a hand plane cut with a sharp blade to a sanded board, and you'll see there's, the sanded board looks cloudy. That's because those sanding particles are cutting in all sorts of directions at once. Even if you're sanding with the grain, they just, they're cutting in a million directions. And so that clouds the surface. I'll tell you about uh, that 400 grit um, issue. I was uh, delivering a piece to a gallery some years ago, and uh, I always carried, learning the hard way, a uh, repair kit with me to repair my finishes because I would nick things or, you know, I would find something that I hadn't hadn't caught on, on the way out the door. And so I would carry with me a little bit of 400 grit sandpaper and a little bit of uh, Danish oil, and uh, that was my, sometimes some steel wool. So that was my repair kit. And I was at this gallery, and the gallery owner said to me, you know, Carol said, you know, there's this, uh, there's this piece here 
that Dave built, and there's a scratch on the top of it. It was an oak um, cabinet, small cabinet. Can you fix it? I said, Phew, no problem. I'm the man for the job. So I got up my 400 grit, and I got up my oil, and I got rid of the scratch. It was great. And about a week later, Dave calls me up and goes, what'd you do to my piece? I'm like, I fixed it. I thought I fixed it. thought I was doing you a favor. He's like, no, you left a big rough patch there because he had rubbed it out to a much finer grit. And so that 400 grit got the job done, but I needed to go up another couple of levels to 600 grit, to 1,000 grit, to blend it in with the gloss that he had from his finished work. So you learn. You learn this stuff. Now my work goes much quicker using a hand plane as my, I guess, my, my finish tool. Um, things go a whole lot faster. I do have to pay attention to uh, grain direction when I glue up my boards, but that sort of eliminates some issues. You know, when you glue two boards together, there's eight different ways you can glue them edge to edge. Think about it. Take two pieces of paper and prove it to yourself. There's eight different combinations. And so if I'm paying attention to grain direction so that the boards are all running with the same grain direction, that eliminates half, the, half those uh, possibilities. And now I'll glue up and I can flatten that surface or clean up the milling marks um, after, it's, after it's dried and uh, everything, all the grain is running in the same direction. Something else about sanding versus hand planing. When you're working end grain, sanding end grain on a ring porous wood like oak, oh, mercy. Actually, sanding long grain on a ring porous wood like oak is its like an invitation to introduce ripples into your work. When you're sanding a ring porous wood like oak, fir, Douglas fir is a, a ring porous wood. There's a real difference between the early wood that grows in the first part of the season and the late wood. When you're sanding that, that early wood wears away a whole lot faster. And so you get this ripple effect of it being soft and sanded away, and then the hard lines being left behind, the late wood being left behind. So you get this ripple effect, and instead of it feeling nice and smooth, it feels smooth but ripply. So um, I'd be willing to bet you, if we take a piece of fir or white oak, and we want to clean up the end grain. I'll start by sharpening my low angle block plane. You can start sanding. Whatever grit you want, you can start start your sanding. And I'll get that thing sharp and tuned up in five minutes, and I'll hand plane that, that edge, and I'll get better results than you. Sanding is, on end grain is tough work, and it takes a long time. And you don't end up with flat surfaces. That's the beauty of, of using a hand plane there. You can get a nice flat surface. If you really want, you can take some, some light sandpaper and, and really shine it up. Um, but again, it's one of those revelations, hand tool revelations, even in a power tool shop like mine, that uh, makes you realize, oh, there's there are better ways of doing this work. And I can... Get away from that compulsiveness, that drive to perfection. And I think that once you start on that road, once you start 
that sanding. Once you pick up that pad sander, once you pick up that piece of sandpaper, you're on that slippery road. Well, you've been sanding it. On that slippery road to perfectionism. And that's your enemy. That is your enemy. Try to do your best work. But perfect is, is for someone, someone else. It's not for us. Keep your standards high. But don't kill yourself while you're, while you're doing it. And as I say, the hand plane is a, is a time saver for me. Now the issue that you'll run into is not having sharp tools, and that's another whole, whole issue, um, how to keep your hand tools sharp. It makes a big difference. It will make a big difference in, in your work to have a sharp edge. And you can't be farming that workout. It's something you need to learn how to do. And once you do know how to put an edge on a plain iron and a chisel, it opens up possibilities. Working with sharp tools, well, it does a couple of things for you. When you cut yourself with one, the, the wound will heal faster because it, it binds up better. It's just it's a much cleaner cut. And, and number two, your, your work surfaces will be smoother. And that's a real, that's a blessing. All right, I'll quit blathering on about, uh, about hand planes. You're going to pick up your pad sander and be happy. Go for it. I hope the, hope the jitters in your arms uh, wear away after an hour or so. This has been Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you checking us out, checking out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Please look at our classes and workshops. Love to see you at the studio. Take care. Bye-bye.